Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hi, Changemaker. Thank you so much for stopping by. It's Holly Rustic with Grant Writing and funding. And today we are on episode number 115. Can you guys believe it? We are, man, 115 episodes into grant writing and funding. And it's because you are listening. So um, every week you guys come in and you are (laughs) coming virtually to the show and listen in. And it's so great to get feedback, to get your emails, to really see more of your questions that you have, different kinds of topics you want to talk about. So this topic today is one for you if you are a freelance grant writer or you're thinking about becoming one or maybe even just a freelance nonprofit consultant. So we're really going to be talking about mindset today, but more than just mindset. We're really looking at why it takes more time, effort, and money to be a freelancer than you thought and how to overcome these challenges. So as we enter into this, you know, I was thinking about starting this off about how to get clients because I know some of you have been asking me, hey, I have a podcast on how to get clients. And as I started writing and and just doing the research on this, I realized, you know, and I always bring it back to mindset because that is number one. And it's not just (laughs) woo-woo mumbo jumbo stuff out here. I'm actually gonna lead you through um, some feelings and emotions that you may have and why that might be impacting your freelance consultancy to grow or to really even start getting clients. So we're going to kind of dissect that today. And then next week, I'll give you some tangible how to get clients because first we need to get over the mindset, right? Even if there's clients at your door, you might not be able to retain them or actually reach out to the right ones if you have some of the roadblocks that we're going to be talking about today. So oftentimes freelance grant writers and nonprofit consultants, you guys are ready to go. You know, you have your packages ready, you know your mission and vision, and you have a functional website and even followers on LinkedIn, but you're hearing crickets, right? So we're really going to talk about how to overcome those crickets and actually get some, some noise that isn't just static, but it is actual people talking to you and clients coming in the door. Before I get into all of this today, I also just want to go ahead and say, if you love this episode, if it's really helping you, please let me know. Leave a review on iTunes. That really does help or on any of your podcast listeners. And also let me know if you want to be a part of the freelance grant writing master course that I have coming available in April. So I'm only opening it twice per year. And it is a hybrid live course, so you will be doing some live work with me, and you also have downloadables and templates and videos to watch as well over a six-week period. So if you are interested in that, I will be having an early bird launch very soon to get the best price for that. So please drop me an email at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com if you want to get on the waiting list for the Freelance Grant Writing Master Course. All right, guys, so we're going to go into this this. I'm going to give you the first step in getting more clients. And it's probably not going to be what you think. But like I said, it really is the most important step. And next week, like I mentioned, I will give you specific strategies that will help you connect with and gain clients. But this week is step one, and it's the doozy. Because it's not all fun and games to invest your time and money into a business 
if you don't have clients to help <laughs> to pay you, right? But so many people stop before they really get started. Oh, they started, but they didn't really start, right? So you might be in that situation today. You might think you are committed to opening your consultancy business and you've done the X, Y, and Z to get crossed off the list. I mean, your website is lit. You got social media followers or at least have a LinkedIn profile. Somebody really cool that you super admire may have even commented on one of your posts. You've made it. (laughs) However, the honeymoon isn't paying the bills. And in fact, it's over. You're hearing crickets and you're taking it personally. The I'm not really good enough mantra is on repeat in your mind and that cloud has covered you up. Why did I think I could do this? You constantly catch yourself thinking. Then it hits like a train. How did I think I could do this? The imposter syndrome has set in. It's on. And now you are on LinkedIn, Idealist, and Google checking out job announcements. Because you reckon, maybe I'm not just cut out for this. But is this really even true? Or are these more emotions that have set in? If you really got down to it, you might even be playing the victim. Yep, I'm about to go Grant Cardone harsh on you for a minute. But really, it's because I love you and I want to see those clients paying you and helping get your nonprofits funded. The reality is that it can feel easier to play the victim than taking the responsibility. Ouch. What? So what do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at these three things. Number one, it always takes more time, effort, and money than you think. Yes, we hear this, but just like Gigi in the movie, he's just not that into you. We think we are the exception. And it's not that we even say that we are the exception out loud. We just know a person who knows a person who is related to someone who arrived with their amazing millionaire status overnight. The wonderful world of social media doesn't help this out either as everyone's life looks so filtered and polished. But the thing is, developing anything always takes more time, effort, and money than we think. When new to consulting, sometimes we might think that 90% of our day will be actually writing grants or that we are now the boss, so don't need to write so many grants at all because we can work our own schedule. Either of these ways of thinking is not quite right. We just don't realize that we are each role at the company. You as a consultant are the CEO, the grant writer, but you're also the administrative assistant, the marketing director, the bookkeeper, the IT specialist, the website designer, and the development director. (laughs) You are every single role. Sure, you may hire out certain roles, but you are the responsibility and the leader on every single task. This is huge. This takes major respect. (laughs) I think the first two years of being a consultant, I was just in learning curve mode. Everything was about learning a new task. And yes, now I do outsource many of these items these days. I still have no employees, but I hire consultants. But I really needed to understand many of the roles by doing them so that I can now provide guidance. Also, I learned what I like to do in my business and what I like to do on my business. But that took time and a lot of it. I didn't arrive overnight and neither did any of the entrepreneurs that I know. And this, of course, also takes a lot of effort. 
Learning new things and how to operate in different roles can be stressful. To keep going is important, but you don't necessarily clock out every night at five in the evening. And yes, it takes money. I am a firm believer in bootstrapping and starting with low-hanging services. You may think that this would lead to adding more time and money on your part, and to some extent it initially does, but in the end and in the beginning it pays off. Having very limited overhead expenses is the joy of a consultant. Your time and knowledge are most of your expenses. You don't need crazy inventory like a product company. In this way, you're able to, you know, work out of your own house and even write off some of it as a percentage, your, you know, your rent as a percentage of your business expenses. All you really need is a computer, internet, and some subscriptions. You are super lucky, but you will get wooed. That latest phone with all the gadgets, the most expensive photographer for that photo shoot, and after you screwed up your website again, you will pay any web developer any amount of money that they charge just to do it. But stick to your guns. I'm not saying that any of that is bad at all because, you know, it's great to have the latest phone and all of that. But what I'm telling you is to look at quality when you purchase your items. The highest expense isn't always the highest quality. Learn how to get reviews and recommendations from other consultants. You can find them in LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, or even in meetup groups. The fact of the matter is that even though consultants much of the time have lower overhead than other types of companies, there will be costs that you just didn't account for. The computer breaks. Your client is on a payment plan. They didn't pay it all up front. State taxes are weirdly higher than you thought. And you didn't see that all those little tiny memberships would add up like they do. However, if you are putting way too much time and effort into cutting your overhead, but it's crippling you, then you might need to outsource. For example, if you are spending hours upon hours, which turn into weeks upon weeks, on getting your website just perfect, then you aren't spending time writing those grants and meeting those clients. Chances are, you can find somebody that is actually really good to work on your website. For example, you might be able to find somebody on Upwork and pay them $50 an hour to work on your website and it only takes them three hours of time to get done what you needed when you might have taken two weeks to do that and I hope your time is more than $50 an hour as a consultant. So you can really see that sometimes we are kind of our worst enemy. The other thing is, Do you really even need a website before you get clients? First, it's actually better to start in your community. After all, consulting is a relationship business and it's not the snazziest websites or the best lead-in or all of that or the prettiest headshots that you really need. It's about communicating your mission and it's about being out there and developing relationships. The lesson here is actually a good one because if you realize that Okay, I know it can be overwhelming. It takes more time, effort, and money than you think. And you might say, oh, then why even do it? But it's really a good lesson because it's not just you. It's everyone. Now that you have learned that it takes more time, effort, and money than you thought, you will also start to mature your pricing for what you charge. Without going through this process, you might way underestimate what you actually need to charge. Now you know what the reality is. So if you're freaking out because it's taking more time, effort, and money than you thought, just relax for a minute. You aren't a loser because this is happening. It's totally normal to be overly confident and overly positive when starting something new, right? So from the book, The 12-Week Year, the emotional cycle of change states that, quote, 
A decision to make a significant positive change in life is almost always accompanied by an immediate wave of optimism. This optimistic mindset arises in large part from anticipation of a future state where frustrations, difficulties, and discomforts are reduced, and status, satisfaction, and happiness are increased. Further inflating the sense of optimism, the brain tends to discount the future cost of implementing the change. While the early optimism is exciting, it is based only upon thinking. That's why this initial phase of thinking is called uninformed optimism. This optimism is useful to get us moving quickly. The problem is that it does not last long when confronted with the reality of taking action, end quote. So it's not to say think negatively about starting something up, but just realize there is this sort of cycle that happens. We all do this. You might say, I've never heard of this, Holly. Think about it. You hear it with your friends and your family. You know that new job that they're talking about that will solve all of their problems? And they're so convincing when they're talking to you all starry-eyed, telling you the list of reasons of why it's so perfect and how everything's going to be magical. But then they get that job and soon the grumbling starts again. Things aren't exactly as rosy as they thought. Even starting a new diet or routine is like this. We are so positive in the beginning. And then reality hits and it always takes more time, effort, and money. Well, not always money, but time and effort for sure. Then we think, right? But that's the part where a lot of people stop and they say, it didn't work for me. That's not really true either, is it? It's not that it doesn't work. It just takes more time and effort than we initially thought. And don't even get me started of the thinking of what being a mom will be like and actually being a mom. So you get this, right? This is very, very common for us to have this uninformed optimism. It doesn't mean that we need to have a negative kind of thinking. It just means that we need to be aware. And I think when we're really aware of this is when a lot of the stress comes off and a lot of those emotions of tying it to us personally. I'm a loser. I can't do this. Why did I think I can do this? When we realize that everybody goes through this and it's just a normal cycle, then we can kind of look at it in a much bigger light and say, it's not me. It's just normal. Now, how do I get to the next step? Number two, getting over the fear of rejection. Not everyone is going to want your services. Not everyone is going to be able to afford your services. I know it feels like rejection when you put your services out there and nobody buys. The thing is, people aren't looking at you and saying you aren't good enough. The thing is, you might not be selling yourself in the best way. You might just think that because you mentioned that you are a grant writer, that you will have people busting down your door. And sometimes they will. But most of the time, they want your free advice. They want to pick your brain. They are nonprofits with no budget, so they ask you to do pro bono work. (laughs) Remember, you have a skill. You need to pay your bills. I mean, at some point, yes, take on a pro bono client. But for the most part, you need to charge for what you do. A lawyer or doctor probably wouldn't just donate hours of time giving them advice or treating people for free. You are a specialist, and you should get paid for your knowledge and expertise. Those who are not willing to pay for it and reject paying for your time, not you, but your time, then they are not a good fit. The thing is we actually think just because we have a website or an Instagram account that we're going to get tons of leads. This takes work and time, going back to, (laughs) takes more time, effort, and money than you think. 
Going out to a conference or a network doesn't count for networking if you sit in a corner and don't talk to anyone. Realize that in the business world, right, your services will get rejected at some point. Now take a deep breath. Think about how you as a consumer weigh the pros and cons to all types of your purchases and who you hire for jobs, right? When you're on the flip side of this, now go to that. Once in a while, you hire that plumber just because they're so nice, but usually not. You go for the person who does the best job and charges competitively. If they are nice, that's a bonus. We are in the day and age of making very reviewed purchases. So when people are rejecting your services, not you, your services, start to think why. Do you not have any testimonials or reviews? Are you way too overpriced or way too underpriced? And yes, being too underpriced can do you a disservice as people may associate that you being cheap is equal to not being good quality. Maybe it's because you are approaching the wrong type of nonprofit, but overall think about how you purchase and then look at your brand as a consumer and ask people for feedback. Why didn't they want your services? This will give you a really good insight on getting over the fear of rejection and instead using rejection as a tool to reformulate your services and how you're selling yourself to actually start getting more clients. Number three, dismantling imposter syndrome. Okay, maybe you aren't an expert as you thought you were, but if you have taken a grant writing course, written a grant, you may be a few steps or you actually are a few steps ahead of someone who has never done it at all. But to really market this as a service, you do need to have some experience. So if you took the time to intern at a nonprofit, write grants, or open a podcast and interview other experts so you could learn, or review grants as a panelist, then you are getting ahead. And if you already are a grant writer and have years of experience under your belt, it doesn't necessarily mean you automatically know how to be a freelancer. Doing the job and running the business are many different things. As we identified before, you need to do more than just grant writing to run a business. To get over imposter syndrome, continue to learn, read articles, listen to <clears throat> podcasts, and write grants. Also, realize you aren't going to know it all. I've been writing grants for more than 15 years, but I don't know it all at all. That's why I invite experts onto the podcast and share other blogs and articles and resources. I want you to succeed with everything you need to know, but quite honestly, I don't have all the answers. However, I do know a lot more than people several steps behind me. And I can be assured that they don't necessarily need to know everything that I know. They just need one bite at a time. And if I need to honestly let them know I don't have the answer, I'll find it for them. And they trust me to do so. So take a deep breath. Realize that you are exactly where you are right now. Stop Googling jobs just for a minute and realize that you already have invested a lot of time, effort, and money into becoming a freelancer. That rejection isn't personal, but a tool to move forward and that you are not an imposter. You have something to offer. And sometimes just being a few steps ahead of somebody is actually a lot more relationally building than being miles ahead of somebody. They want someone who can really understand them and that can resonate with them. But also know that you might not be able to replace your salary immediately or even in the first year by starting a consultancy. 
But in the long term, you can break through that glass ceiling of what you previously earned if you want to. That by going through the beginnings and not giving up, you will have learned how to run your company from the bottom up. You will be able to guide all levels and know that it isn't you, but that you are the one that has to take responsibility to actually make this work. And you can. Most businesses don't. And this is why they fail. They get to the uninformed optimism and then they crash and they think, it's me, it's me. (laughs) All right. But because you know that all that is normal, it's not just you, everyone goes through this who opens a business, you have a choice to make this work. And to close this out today, going back to my Grant Cardone approach, I'm going to go ahead and quote him in his 10x rule book, which is a fantastic book for all of you freelancers out there. Quote, victims just don't do well at attracting or creating success. It's not even that they aren't capable. It's just that people who typically succeed are required to take big actions. And it is impossible to take big actions if you don't take responsibility. It is equally impossible to do something positive when you are spending your time making excuses. You must understand That success is not something that happens to you. It's something that happens because of you and because of the actions you take. Successful people accept very high levels of accountability for creating and having success for themselves and even for failing to do so. All right, guys, so that's what I have for you today. I know it might be a little bit like, ooh, ouch, but it's all for you because remember when you get into those, it's me, why did I do this? I can't do this. I'm not good enough. That is BS. You guys are all good enough. You all have what it takes. And I know you can do this. So it's really about really accepting that and taking the responsibility. And then just, you know, even taking rejection as a learning experience, right? Remember, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting your services. And yes, I know that's personal, but you can learn from it because a lot of the times it's just how it's marketed. It's maybe how it's presented. You can change that. You do have what it takes. All right, guys, next week, we're going to talk about how to get your best client. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the tribe, and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this grant writing and funding podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com. 